Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 318. My name is Brando. Hello, Mr. Bello. A lot of, a lot of O's there. Hello, Brando. Brando is my, what I call my son. His name Brandon. That's my nickname for my son, Brandon. Brando. That's what I say. You know, Brando. What are you doing? Let's get going. You know, I just was talking to him about the ladder that I just fell off of. <laughs> I fell. I didn't fall off of this ladder. Just so you guys know out there, I'm sorry for taking over your show for a second, Brandon. But just, Please. just this is what just happened. It's Christmas time. Yeah, I'm a little late putting up the decorations. My wife asked me to take this enormous ladder out. So okay, I take out the ladder. I didn't get up the ladder yet. I'm walking it from the back of the house to the front of the house, but somehow my foot gets caught in in between one of the, what do you call them, spokes? I don't even know what the hell they are, but I'll call it a spoke. I got caught. Like in the rungs of the ladder? Dude, yeah, it was, it was one of the steps. I got caught in one of the steps. Long story short, talk about Homer Simpson and Brando. I'm not even kidding, dude. It was all like flat on the face. So I have no idea what, if I look like, I know I normally look like, look like shit, but if I look like more shit right now, it's because of that. I'm blaming that. But uh, I'm good now. No must stay. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Moving on. And just uh, don't accidentally yell at the other Brandon and just direct your anger at me. So just see if you can <laughs> Brando! You know, I have the dad tone. I do have the dad tone. So if I bring that out and I say your name, Brando, you know, it's, <laughs> it's for my son. It's like just discipline. If you say Brandon, if you use my full name, then I'll know you're upset with something I, I yeah. asked you. Brandon Bello, my, my nice name, Brandon Bello, that's real. Then it's real. Brandon Bello, get over here now. What is the score in this test? I don't, you know, all that stuff. You know, oh, it is fun. what it is. Oh, I love that. And you look fine for those who are watching on our YouTube channel. I mean, you just, you know, you look like it's cold out. Uh, it's like you have a sweatshirt, uh, you know, a, a beanie on. And do you mind it? Uh, because you have, are you in your, your your study, you have guitars behind you, you have Beatle pictures behind you. This is, and Brandon, you've probably seen this before in other interviews. This is where my, my I'm in my basement. I call it Bellows Basement at this point. One day I'll have a YouTube channel and I'll call it Bellows Basement. That's what people want me to do, but I haven't done it. This is where I pretty much, I wrote the book here <laughs> with my friend, with my co-writer, Joe MacGyver. Um, we literally did it like this. I was jotting down stuff. I had a tissue, box of tissues here to uh, let all my, frustrations out and to cry and all that good stuff. This is where I wrote my book. This is where I write songs. This is where I've recorded. I recorded some of the altitudes and attitude in here. I do videos. It's it, This is a basement of production. That's what right this on. is. I have Very no choice. Cool. Who has a choice nowadays? None. I mean, again, if you're watching on YouTube, I'll just I'll take away my virtual background for a second. I'm just in my apartment in, and you'll recognize Queens because I'm also a Queens guy. Good boy. Yeah, so um, it's but since the pandemic, and I, I know you started the book to get right into it, kind of yeah. when the pandemic uh, started. But I, I'm I'm curious, did you always know you were gonna write a book, or did you see Scott Ian's book years ago and you're like, I gotta do that? Or no. honestly, just- dude, um, Joel, my co-writer Joel MacGyver, and you you know him, he's he's actually a bestseller. He is he's written some some amazing books in his past. So we've been friends for a long time. 
And Joel actually told me this a couple of weeks ago that the first date that I told him, told him maybe we should write a book together because we were friends and I felt comfortable with him. I said, when you have time, let's do it. That was eight years ago, eight okay. years ago. <laughs> so it's taken that long to get schedules, my touring, his book writing, his life, my life together. And this COVID thing happened. I remember sitting right here, Brandon, I was sitting right here and um, it was, I, I said, man, what am I doing? All right, you can only play so much guitar, only, only write so much. So I said, maybe this is a good time for the book. It, I had literally, I mean, I emailed him, we talked, let's get going with this thing. And that's how it happened. And we just started sessions. We just started sessions and the sessions, some were painful, some were like laughing. I usually had a, you know, a nice cocktail with me just getting through it. But um, it was, you know, it was cathartic and I'm glad I did it. At first I wasn't glad. I wasn't so glad because I was really worried when I first came out with the book of how much I exposed to myself, to be honest with you, Brandon, because... If you read the book, it's all out there, dude. There's no people who know me know that I can't lie. There's no lying involved here. No exaggerating. Um, I even asked my wife as we were going through it, um, just checking things out before before we let it out. I said, "Is this too much? Am I letting too much of my personal life, the horror, the you know, my brother's murder, all that stuff, the the, the terrible times that were in my life, the poverty, all that stuff." And what she said, which really sold me on, it was like this will, will probably help somebody out there that's yeah. gone through similar times some yeah. somebody who's dealt with loss somebody who's dealt with poverty and still dealing with that and you know and I, I have to say this to you brandon i'm getting so many so many amazing if you read through my my comments the people who are telling me how they're being affected by this book in a really positive way that makes everything worthwhile more than i ever could have expected to be honest with you it makes me feel not only humbled, but it makes me feel, feel fulfilled that by being stripping down my stuff, self and getting it all out and just and kind of not being afraid to do it in, hope, in hopes that it would help somebody. These comments that I'm getting from people that the loss they're going through and the times they're going through are really connecting with it. And Brandon, I'm telling you, dude, for me, that it doesn't matter how many books you sell. If you you help one person, really, in this time in our life right now, dude, everybody's going through a really tough time right now. It's very fulfilling, and at least there's something I can say, man. At least the one person, and it's fine. I'm finding out it's a lot more than one person is being helped by this. So it really is beneficial for me to um, to, to have a book like this out. So and for people, I'm finding, which is awesome. And I absolutely concur with that. I I, I wish. You know, you might laugh at that. Uh, when I was younger, you might laugh because I'm younger, younger than you. I wish people were more forthright with the struggles they went through because I thought I was different with some of the traumas that I went through or some of the addictions. And, you know, you're you don't talk about therapy, but you I know you've done a thousand interviews uh, because last time and we'll get into uh, more. Of it, but when we were talking about uh, uh, altitudes and attitude and. I remember the, in, the, in that interview, you were talking about your lyrics and, and, and just how heartfelt they are. And, and that's why it's nice that you now you're taking your lyrics into a book. You're putting yeah. it just like that. So good point. Was that, was that difficult, I guess, to and, and b b before it gets lost, because this is not your typical rock and roll memoir, just from the, the title, uh, Fathers, Brothers and Son. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> I'm getting for Clemp already. I need tissues already. Uh, fathers, brothers, and sons surviving anguish, abandonment, and anthrax. So it's just, you know, you're in for a lot. 
And uh, I I don't pretend to not. Um, The one thing I've, you know, there's a lot of great rock and roll books out there. And look, and I I have to say, there's a lot of great rock and roll stories in this book from my history. So if people want, if they're looking for those great rock and roll stories, if, you know, from my Pantera days, yeah, there's a lot of great stories. There's Metallica days. There's, you know, all these Kiss days. I mean, me growing up, meeting Kiss in New York City, people are finding great joy out of that uh, because I grew up in New York. And when I was 14, 15 years old, uh, I used to go with my friend Tom down to the city and we knew where their Kiss's management was. This is 77, 78. So this was a great time where our heroes were going to be. And so we used to be these diehard Kiss fans cutting out of school, going down there. There's great detail in these stories in the book. So there's a lot of fun, fun stories in the book of rock and roll lifestyle and then touring the bands we've toured with. So there is that. But I thought for me, I thought it was important to really see where I came from. And because it's not so easy, it, you know, you, you unveil it and say, it's not so easy to wherever I am in this life. And I've had some success and I'm very grateful for that. But this is what it comes with. This is where it comes from. It's from that. And this is why I never say never. And I, I don't take anything for granted. I know how lucky I am being in a band that's successful and being a songwriter and being, being able to make a living at music. Um, I don't take anything for granted from where I came from because that never lets me forget. And I think that's an important lesson. This this kind of book is it's like a lesson for my son also. It's like, here, Brandon, this is how your father did it. Never say you should have. Always go for it. It's really important. And when you get knocked down, brush yourself off and move on, dude. And there's a big full circle because you mentioned how you you're you know, a big Kiss fan and growing up a Kiss fan in New York, and you got Gene Simmons to do the forward. What made him the right guy? Because obviously you've worked with so many different people, and is it just kind of fulfilling that childhood fantasy? Uh, why Gene? Great question, and I'll tell you right off the bat, people who know Anthrax, people who know me, how they know how diehard of Kiss fans we really are. I mean, we grew up with them that... When I saw Kiss on stage, I said, yes, that is my goal. That's that's what I want to do. I want to be on a stage doing that or something like that. So that was my drive right there because growing up, you know, again, the story is from the book. My dad took off when I was 10. So we were abandoned, five kids. I needed heroes, looking for heroes. I took these on. My, my heroes were musicians in, in these bands, Kiss specifically, because that was, that made me feel good. That kind of took away the pain. It took away the emptiness and that hollow feeling, that pain that I had inside. It kind of crushed it. It really crushed it because that made me feel better. So every time I saw a kiss, I said, yes, that's what I, it gave me a goal. It gave me direction and it made me strive for something. And um, I could only hope, I could only hope that kids of today that are going through the same stuff, same kind of stuff that I went through, have something like that in their lives um, so they can have a goal and focus of what they want to achieve in their life. Cause it was very, it was very fulfilling for me when I got a chance to do it and go for it. It gave me drive. And it could be derailed so easily. Cause um, just shocking to read. And I know it's years later, but I'll still say it now. I'm very sorry for the loss of your brother. I mean, that's just horrendous. Um, how, I know it's kind of just the obvious. I don't want to say how was it reliving it, but was there anything you got out of it? I guess to to relive it. Um, and so, is it, yeah, is there anything that you you took away? Was there a positive 
maybe of, of retelling the story and sharing the story of your brother's murder? Well, the positive is it would, uh, the positive of it, and the only positive of, of writing a book and telling that story in this in this book is people connecting with that who are dealing with loss in their life that can't get over it, and are commenting and writing me letters and beautiful, beautifully put. I read one from a, a lady last night how um, her her she was a single mom, um, her son has leukemia, and she's dealing with loss and she's dealt with loss in her family. There was so many things going on and she read and she's telling me this. It was such a beautiful comment. Um, how about my book? She read it and it gave her strength. And look, I'm not saying I, I didn't try to preach to anybody. But look, if that if something that she somebody reads for my book that makes somebody feel better about the horrible time they're going in their life. Isn't that isn't that what we want to do? You want to make people you want to people make people rise and feel better. So for me, it was heartfelt. Of course, I wrote it back. I'm praying for you, all the good stuff and good things ahead and all that. I hope so for her and her son. But man, again, that's from the loss I've had. If that can help somebody knowing that I dealt with it and this is and if I can do it, you can deal with it, you can deal with it and move on with your life. That's important. That's important nowadays. I, I, you don't get there's so much negativity out there right now. I'm just tired. <laughs> I'm really tired of it. I know. And uh, for me. Yeah, you, it's it's not a preaching book. I'm not preaching. This is how I did it. I'm telling my story. But if my story can help your life, I'm all good. I'm all good. And, it's, and it seems to be doing that. And that's that's a really positive thing in my life. So let me, let me ask then how you quote unquote did it. Obviously, everybody is different. We're all we're all uh, not snowflakes as far as like what it means now. But we're all you know every person is unique and indifferent. That's that's what I mean. We're human. Exactly. So. What worked for for you to get through certain things? You know, because I on this podcast, the I always say the secondary theme, other than the obvious appetite for distortion GNR theme, is mental health. I talk about it a lot. It ties into you. obviously. Thank. I mean, I too. I mean, it's not like I was partially. Maybe the same way with you. Uh, talking about it is cathartic for me, but when I get messages back from listeners saying saying, saying my story helped them, I'm like whoa. As long as it helps one person, it it means ex- exactly. So it's like, all yes. right, I'm, I'm doing something, and that's my small voice compared to to your big voice. Yeah, so it, no, we're all small voices that we want to, all want to get together and talk about these things to make it one positive big voice. That's what I, right. I think. You know, at the end of the day, if you have enough smaller voices like us saying that, look, therapy helped me. I'm going to be really honest. Transcendental meditation helps me um, because. I need tools like a lot of people out there. I'm just a human like you, like people that need help. I, I seek, I, I sought help. I, I needed, look, I was in a dark place when my brother's thing happened. It's in the book. I went dark after my brother was murdered. I couldn't get a grasp on myself. I went completely dark and I was going for revenge. Uh, for two weeks straight, um, I was a hunter and it's well documented in the book. I'm not proud of it. I'm absolutely not proud of it. But this is the God's honest truth. And um, and thankfully, thankfully, two weeks, around two weeks after that, as I'm sitting in the car hunting and really waiting for the moment to get my revenge, um, I had a clearing, a cleansing of my head where I thought about my mom. And and the the truth of the matter is, and I've said this in other interviews, you've probably seen this. I thought about my mom. It came to me and I said, look. What's going to happen? What am I doing here? How, how am I how am I doing this right now? How did I get here? 
I thought about my mom. I said, if I do this, she's going to lose another son. She's going to lose another son. Either, look, the bottom line is probably retribution, where an eye for an eye kind of thing would have happened, or I'm going to be in jail. It pulled me out of it. And I said, I couldn't do that to her. You can't lose two sons. In this, you know, you can't do that in, in, in the span of a month. You can't do it. And it would have happened. Uh, then I thought about my brother who passed about just saying, just, are you out of your mind? Get back home. It really took me, it was like a vacuum taking me out of it. It really was. It's like a movie taking me out. You know, it was like, uh, I got to go home. I got to go home. I got to get rid of this and I got to go home. And that's kind of what I did. Um, and after that, right into therapy because I knew, cause, you know, I knew I needed it because I was afraid. I was afraid there was no control. And that's as honest as I can be with you. There was no control because when I saw Tunnel Vision, you know, the band, I was in this band Anthrax. I had my family here. Nothing mattered, dude. All I saw was this and there was one goal. So I never want to, I don't want anybody to be in that place, number one. So if somebody can learn something from the book and see that, that there is a better day ahead, um, I'm living proof because I went to therapy after that and started thinking, why? Why did I think that way? And there was a whole there's a whole deep thing going from my past that it happened like that. It's about guilt and a lot of a lot of crazy stuff. But therapy helped me, so I'm a proponent of um, of of therapy. Good. I'm, I'm I talk about therapy all the time. My therapist listens to my podcast sometimes, or she listens to me on the radio. It's weird to get texted by your therapist, like you know, talk about you know Led Zeppelin more while I'm like on the air. It's 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 funny. And I have to say, transcendental meditation. And I, I look, I was never a meditation guy. I was never, I'm a yoga guy now because my physicality demands that because I'm in my 50s being on stage and I have to do that. But it, um, I learned this transcendental meditation and I practice it probably not as much as I should, um, but I do it more often than I don't. Uh, but it does help. It does help. I, I'm going to go deeper into it. I promise myself that's one of the things because it helps me. It actually gets my head level. Uh, there's different ways for people to move on. And, uh, and just deal with day-to-day -day life, especially in these times. So, um, you know, I'm just trying to find ways, you know, to, to, get, to get to tomorrow, really. And it's in such a crazy way, and this is me being as honest as, as you, when I'm reading up on your story and reading about your brother, and I'm the oldest of four. I have, four, I have three younger brothers, hmm. and I have anger issues. And I'm like, if I was frank, and if that, like, if that happened to me, I would kill it. I would kill if anything happened to my brothers. I I would I feel that like I I'm, and I'm not even just saying that. I'm like I can I can visualize it kind of thing. So I identify with that kind of anger, and yeah. it's good that you work through it because there are people that don't. Oh, my cat just pressed a mute for a second. Get out of here. <laughs> I don't know if that That's if I was awesome. talking and it happens all the time. See, at least now you know I'm in my apartment in Queens. <laughs> Jeez, I'll feed you in like 20 minutes. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, but it's um, it's just the, the, the awareness, I think, is really important because there are sad stories that they, they have your kind of a, a similar story to yours, and they turned out really bad. They turned out really sad. And like, you're right. Your mom would have lost another brother. And what would have – they wouldn't have brought your brother back. I mean, what really would have been – Absolutely. And nothing, nothing good could have came of it except that – moment in time for the revenge thing and uh yeah because you you act on impulse it was impulse completely impulsive and you can't act on what i've learned you can't act on impulse uh because it gets you nowhere it really is it's it, it's not it's not 
going to get you to where you want to go. It's, at the end of the day, after lots of thousands of dollars of therapy and all that stuff, you learn this. But again, I'll go into therapy again. You know, I'm, I'm by no means, obviously, I'm not healed. I'm just take, you take breaks is what you do. And you, you, you dig back in into your head and say, why am I thinking this way? Or why am I thinking that way? And for me, it just gives me a tool. It gives me a tool to be a better parent. I have, yeah. I have a 15 year old son, as you know. So I, I very much don't want to bring my luggage from my life onto my son. I want him to have a happy, healthy life. And uh, it's really important to me to keep my head in check. So if I feel like, and look, believe me, I still have anger issues that I deal with as you do every day. And, uh, but I do know some tools now. I do have some tools that I can go to. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. I, I try to make it more working than not, but you know, I'm human. It's so fascinating, the, the parallels right now. Obviously the name Brandon and Brandon is two, you know, your son and me, uh, Queens, New York, same. And I'm also, maybe you can give me some advice. And in addition to, because uh, it's a question I got submitted from somebody you used to know. I'm, I'm sounding like Gautier. Um, <laughs> so I'm, uh, no, I am currently working on the autobiography of Doug Goldstein. Oh, sure. Uh, How's Doug doing? He's doing well. He's doing Please say well. hello for me. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen him in years. Wow, dude. I will say hello. So uh, this, I guess during the pandemic, just like you, yeah. Uh, I've been helping him with his autobiography awesome. and obviously a lot of guns and roses stuff, of course, but just like you, there's bad stuff. There's, and there's a lot of mental health and, and, and talking about uh, perseverance. And he also does apologies in the book. So here's actually the question where it ties in, ties into you. And it's a little bit of a sneak peek into uh, the Doug Goldstein book as I, uh, I'm, I'm letting listeners kind of come along for the ride because cool. I don't know. It's, I like behind the scenes of radio, behind the scenes of writing. So, uh, so one of the, th the people that the Doug apologizes to you is is you and Anthrax. Hmm, really? He. Uh, I want to make sure I get his verbiage uh, right. He says, "Apologize that I wasn't on my game. My divorce was imminent. I loved those guys." So, as like someone who's kind of, I, I wrote the elaboration of that. He's just like after Guns N' Roses or around that time, he, he was going through a divorce and he was sure, a lot sure. of acts that he was just, he's like, I should have been there. I, 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 I didn't do for them what I should have done. And he felt that way with Anthrax, with you guys. And he's like, they were amazing people, smart people. You'll read about it in his words cool. at some point. That's very nice for him to say. And you know, there's no hard feelings here. Doug's a great dude. Look, and look, you live your life right and you have days you have days you have times these little portions of your life divorce is a tough thing man obviously so look this is part of life that was a, a, a time in life um he'll move on as he has which is but I, I think it's important for him to talk about i think that is really important for him to talk about and get cathartically and get it out get it out of him i think that's important so look i um i think doug's a great dude i wish him the best of luck with the book um, and you know, he said, he, I want to read that book. Cause he's got a lot of good, a lot of good history there. So that, that's an interesting book to read. Yeah. I, it's my, I don't have quite the, the background of your co-writer who's written all these, my, the one book to my, cause I'm a radio guy. I have like mm -hmm. a self, I have a self published book about a Cape Cod family, which is so random. <laughs> it's a, so a whole, random. Wow. A whole cool. story onto itself. <laughs> so this is new to me. I, you know, it's, it's not even like I have, I have jobs, so I'm doing my best 
to, uh, you know, to make it as good as yours. To like, you got to start somewhere. The way I look at it, you start somewhere, right? Everybody oh, has yeah, to start. Yeah. This is my first book, right? It's my first book. I don't know if there's going to be another one, but even believe me, dude. Even with a great co-writer like Joe MacGyver, I was still worried because it's me. It's you put your name out there. You know what I mean? So um, I think you just be my, my whole thing for that is just be honest just be honest and that's that, that's all i can do and I, I told joe that's all i want to do i want to i the first day we talked about doing this i said look i want to make it like we're sitting at a bar we're sitting at a bar we're having a pint or a cup of coffee and i'm just talking just two people talking so i want to talk to the reader like we're in a bar and just talking to you i think that's really important not to lose that one-on-one -on -one kind of vibe you know I, I agree with that as well. All right. So basically every, everything you're saying is making me feel better about my project that's going on. Yeah, I, don't think it'll, I don't think it'll take me nine years. I don't think I'm going to. No, I hope, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. But I'm, also, I'm also not in a, you know, a rock band. Uh, <laughs> let's transition to not the, the main rock band, but I want to actually, I have another virtual background. Let's see. I have to get a virtual background for me, right? I have to learn how to do that. My technically challenged brain has to get into this. I just learned. I, I fake it until I make it. I you know I'm I'm a professional. Yeah, but it looks good though. It looks good. The background looks good. That's that's all Zoom. So wow. Yeah, this is uh. Maybe I should cover my own self in this picture. <laughs> that's great. It actually fits in really well. I know, right? I'm covering <laughs> myself. So this was pre. -COVID. This is really funny if you do this on Zoom. So uh, this was pre-COVID. That's why we're you're pre touching my shoulder. No masks. Yeah, no masks. This was uh, January of 2019, and you and Dave Elfson uh, were in studio doing a bunch of radio interviews. Yeah. You came in, uh, and most of them were over the phone or what we call ISDN lines. But since mm -hmm. I worked there, you know, I, I don't know. I can't, probably came in early to produce Keith Sweat's radio show or something. <laughs> and they asked, uh, you know, sometimes I'm allowed to get on these tours as well. So I had my 10 minutes with you guys. And it was, just, it was great. You both were, were super nice. So I guess there's a couple um, questions in here. One, if you see, I'm wearing my Guns N' Roses. You guys were, because I have a Guns N' Roses podcast, obviously. So you guys awesome. were like, of course. I wonder who your favorite band is. I'm like, oh, I like Anthrax and Megadeth too. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, I actually listened to the episode, uh, which was episode uh, 100. Uh, this is episode 318. So wow. that's how long ago it was. Um. Since it's a GNR podcast, I only got Dave Elfson's uh, GNR uh, thoughts, he, he, like his story. So I'm, I, I never got to ask you any Guns N' Roses questions last sure. time. Speaking of Doug Goldstein. So do you have any fun GNR stories? Uh, meeting? Are you friends with any of the guys? Uh, maybe Slash, I mean, I, we don't see each other all the time and all that stuff. I mean, Slash brought A&A &A out on tour in Europe. I don't know if you guys know that. Do you know that? Yes. I think we that was. Yeah. That was that was an amazing thing that Slash. I mean, that's how great of a dude he is. Um, uh, I think David asked them. I said, "Dude, if you have any dates open, you go, well, we have these dates open." So we brought Altitudes and Attitude over to Europe. It was it was so much fun. I think we did about I don't know a couple of weeks, something like that. It was so much fun. Great big shows. Slash is great. Miles, all those guys, Todd, they're all brand. They're all great dudes in that band. Slash's band. Um, Guns N' Roses. Duff. Duff is an underrated bass player. And I'll tell you right now because I think I think Duff is one of the better bass players around. Uh, if you if you hear his pick style, listen to those Guns N' Roses songs, man. He's got a lot of things, and the sound cuts through really well. He's always had that cool vibe going with the pick, so I've always appreciated. It's just a great band. That's you know, and Axel obviously is 
He's a star. So what did you think about when they you know, arrived on the scene at that time? Because you, you know, you come from a KISS background, but you're playing, you know, hardcore, you know, thrash metal. You know, you the innovators of, of that. Uh, what do you think of GNR? Because I love around a lot, because you obviously didn't like hair metal, but they were different. So I guess your what, what was your perspective? Raw, 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 street, street rawness. And you know, in, in New York, what was the show? You'll know this more the place they played. Was it Irving Plaza? The famous show? Or like the famous the, show. The MTV Ritz show. I'm wondering if that's what you're thinking. It was about. it was before they broke. It was I was at that show and I remember going backstage. It was crowded backstage. I, I think it was Irving Plaza, but I think I'm pretty sure it was Irving Plaza. It was okay. a small place. And um I, it was it was on they were on fire they were on fire the, the, it just went it blew the roof off it was just insane it was incredible um and I went back and said a lot of the guys that i mean they, they've come to our show slash has been in duff they've been at our shows they're, they're great dudes um they're just great people like so you know that they, they they've been to to the mountain and back and they they are still the same people which is great do you remember the first time? And sorry, just just generic question. Like the first mm. time you heard Appetite? Do you remember like yeah. where you were? Um, I remember I was. I think I was on. God, what, what year was that? What was the actual year? Eighty-seven. I mean, it was out for like a year. And then I think yeah, yeah, I think it was on a tour. I think it was we were on a tour bus, and the first time I heard "Welcome to the Jungle," I said that's fucking ripping because it it was. It was just raw. And when I hear Guns N' Roses, all I think is just raw and just the guitars and vocal marry and it just, it explodes. Uh, and that really, it, it was so good for rock and roll and metal in general. It just brought it to another level. It was that timing. It, everything was right. Every, it was just an awesome time in our lives. And now, because I have, I have like Guns N' Roses Tourette's or ADD because when I hear Welcome to the Jungle, I get excited, but it's usually a Nissan commercial now. I don't know if you've seen it. I think it was Nissan, one of those cars, Nissan or Mitsubishi or whatever. It is. I just saw that. They keep it lower. Did you notice that? They keep yeah. the, song, the song almost, they should push They should push the song up. People identify with the song more than about the car. Let's face it, dude. It's so play the song. That's going to be eye, ear and eye catching. You know, where's that coming from? Then you look at the car and then you'll sell your car, right? It makes total sense to me. Play the song louder, dude. All right, you, you got to be more a money man. You're in your next uh, career phase, I That's guess. That's where the money is, dude. Hey, look, quite a few records have been sold for that song alone, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But to bring it back to this this picture, which I, I'm amazingly standing uh, perfectly uh, in between. Uh, is there anything gonna have, be going on with uh, altitudes and attitude? Because you know, it's. I'll just say this: it's none of my business what happened with Dave Elfson. That's how I feel. And it's like a lot of like the clickbait stuff that goes on. I just like, I don't need to know this. I just want to know about right. the music. It's not like he killed somebody. It's not. So I don't know if he's not with Megadeth anymore. Uh, I guess I, don't, I want to know the situation, uh, you know, because, you know, you guys were great together. Well, Dave's my friend. I, I've always said that Dave's my friend. Everybody makes mistakes in this life. Everybody's human. Um, look, I, I never say never to any, anything about a future project with Altitudes and Attitude or Right now, I'm writing solo stuff for myself that is kind of like the continuation of Altitudes and Attitude, but it'll just be kind of like my thing. Uh, but my door is always open to an Altitudes and Attitude thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I don't think, you know, for, for me, Dave, Dave is my friend and um, he'll always be my friend. But again, everybody's human and uh, people make mistakes. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's life now. You know, you just life is I can't cancel somebody out. 
uh, people make mistakes. Look, and that's the way it is. And then you move on from that mistake, right? And uh, and life ca carries on after that. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I I wouldn't lose a friend over that. I might right. be like, I don't want to. I don't want to see it. I don't want to know about it. But no, I I don't, it's it's none of my business, to be honest. It's none of my business. But people ask me about it, so I said, Dave's my friend. He made a mistake. He's human. I'm sorry that he made his mistake. But look, he's still my friend. And I, I if that's the answer you want, I'm, if you don't like that answer, I'm sorry. But for me. Um, that's the way it is. It's like, okay, he made a mistake. He's human and he'll move on to a better day. And that's, that's what we want for everybody. Right. Sure. Who wouldn't like that answer? I mean, it's, that's, that's the right answer. I think, I mean, your, yeah. your book is, you talk about again, the good, the bad, the facts of life. Sorry. I'm, I'm going off on a, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm losing. I've been awake since 3 a.m. Uh, three this morning. Cause I did the morning show. So I'm hitting like the wall, but I got, I got excited again to talk to you. You're helping me. Oh, no worries, uh, bro. So you're talking about uh, never saying never to doing projects again. So with all these reboots that happen, why isn't there a Married with Children reboot? And would if there was, would Anthrax take part in it? In a second, because obviously that is still one of the most successful. I don't know why, but that they chose that that show that we did. My dinner with Anthrax is one of the more. I still get a dollar thirty seven check every now and then, you know, <laughs> uh, from that show. But um, yeah, dude, that was one of the highlights of the Anthrax career. If you look back, very special time, just of them actually writing a script for us, flying us out to L.A., doing the show, being the best people best people that you could possibly work with uh, to, to bring this rock band into their, into, let's face it, into their set, into their lives, their, their work set, and really ease us into it. They were very kind to us, helping us. No, hey, you, the blocking, all the lines and stuff, like the writers were great, man. The writers kept coming up with better lines, even between the shows. If, if they, they wanted it to be the top of the top, and they kept giving us, like, I know they changed my lines between the shows. Between We did two shows. We rehearsed all week. So you think, you get your lines in your head, right? I say, okay, we're all good. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> we do the first show. And then if they didn't like the way the audience reacted to one of those lines or a couple of those, turns out a couple of my lines, they changed it from the second show. Uh, and, and they were right because they changed these lines. I remember when Marcy was um, feeling me up, whatever that was, that she, she, she was frisking me. She was feeling frisking me, and they changed the line to be a funnier line, and it was, dude. It it, it just was. So the, the writers uh, prevailed on that. It was just a great. And then the time after that, right after the show, we go um, to the restaurant next door. Ed O'Neill um, he introduces introduces us to uh, Clint Eastwood, and it's just it was just one of those crazy Hollywood moments that you never thought in a metal band you would be in. That was the night. That was incredible. So that that sticks up there. You know, there's there's been a couple of highlights with Anthrax. That's absolutely one of them. There's the the big four stuff going on with the Yankee Stadium. That's another one. So um, what you know, there's some there's some really fond memories that I'm I'm very uh, I'm very pleased with and I'm very grateful for. I want to put it out to the, to the universe. They've rebooted worse shows, and they and they. And it's all about nostalgia. Just think about how amazing that would be. I would do that. I would I would fly out right, right now to do that just because of how much fun it was. And, and plus the cast was so fun. Ed O'Neill, anything to hang out with Ed O'Neill at a bar again, I'm in. Hmm. What was the, because I want I don't want to keep you forever. I know you got to attack nah, the lighter. It's all good. You got to attack the lighter again. Later, dude. I'm, I'm just going to put up more Christmas lights. That's all I'm doing tonight. Okay. All right. And then drinking. 
<laughs> the other Brandon doesn't need you. I don't want to take away from the other Brandon. Brandon, my son Brandon is helping his mom upstairs today. Right. He finished his homework, which is good. So now he's uh, he's helping his mom with the lights. And then um, I'll bring him to Starbucks later. We'll have a chocolate milk. It'll be fun. <laughs> a chocolate milk. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. Uh, I guess with the – was there a story that you were so eager because it was fun to relive, to write? Because we talked about maybe some stuff that was – difficult to write about but was there one like oh man i can't wait to tell this story you know and people to find out about it. it's it, it's so funny you know or it's so crazy uh, was there well, was there one that sticks out yeah without- there's a couple of them brandon uh with this with this thing the great thing about working with joel uh, joe MacGyver, um he knows me he knows the history of anthrax obviously but he knows how to um light the fire under a story and and as as easy as that sounds he said he could say one line. What happened with this, Frank? I, I, I recall uh, it was written, and he looks this up. Some, he looks something up in, on the internet, and he and he sparks this line that just comes out. And he hits a line. I say, yes, yes, and I completely had forgotten about it. And all of a sudden, dude, Brandon, it just started flowing out. The the stories, I guess, they they're locked up in your head, and it takes one line to 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 empty them out. And man, did it come flowing out? Sorry about my dog screaming upstairs. <laughs> Hey, my cat jumped on the mixer before. So that's true. Uh, we're even now. That's good. Yeah, we're even. <laughs> yeah so he, he has a great way of doing that. And um, so he kind of knew how to work me, how to work my mind, how to get it out. And uh, once the story started flowing, let's face it, man, I'm literally, I had, a, I had a nice big glass of vodka and water here, lime, and they just started flowing. I was having a good time. I was reliving them, kind of. I, was, I felt like I was talking to my friends at a bar. And that's what I kind of felt like. So when I was telling, I was talking about a, the Pantera story, getting drunk on the streets of Mexico City, and <laughs> we're just polluted on the streets of of, of Mexico City after after a show, um, just really horribly drunk, but fun, laughing our asses off. Just imagine us, Anthrax, Pantera, a bunch of us, some of our crew, just walking around the streets of Mexico City, and you know those stands that have the sausages on it that you're not supposed to eat. Okay. You, never, you don't eat them. You're not supposed to eat them. But you know what happens when you drink? You, you eat them. You don't think that way. You don't <laughs> think straight. All you want to do when you drink on the streets of Mexico City is you want to fill the booze and you want to sponge up that booze that you've been drinking all day. So to me, it looked really, it smelled delicious because it put all that sweet shit in there. It's like, oh, I got to have something. I'm starving, blah, blah, blah. So we decided to go to this one cart. But lucky Frank, um, was the one who ate a couple of those sausages and brought home two, not one, two parasites, parasites under my liver. And I only knew that after a year of losing weight and not being able to hold anything, I won't go deeper than that, no pun intended, but um, <laughs> not being able to hold anything for a year, losing a lot of weight, finally getting to this one uh, specific doctor, specialist, that actually found two parasites under my liver. And found this specific medication, antibiotic, to get rid of them. And that was the only way. But uh, since then, it's been a fun time uh, dealing with my stomach. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I, I felt like I had a power. I thought I had COVID, like, for the second time. I was, I think it was last uh, last summer. My stomach was killing me. I couldn't eat anything but crackers. I'm like, am I dying? Anyway, enough from... Uh, you don't realize... You know, you don't realize, and I've learned this through a lot of touring, you know, what happens on the road, especially when you're younger, 
you don't know what the hell you're eating. You don't you don't know what to eat, and there's usually garbage, fried, all that stuff, and spicy, and you don't realize you got to pay the piper later on in life. Yeah, you know? and that comes up. It really comes up. Listen, kids, listen. Take care of your gut because the gut won't take care of you later. So now, Frank Bello here, Mr. <laughs> Happy Gut. I do whatever whatever the gut wants, the gut gets, and that's the way it is. So. Uh, because I have no choice. I would love to eat a big sausage and or a meatball sandwich right now, but uh, I'll be out for a week. Mr. Happy Gut. That'll be the name of your solo album. You can shop there you that. Go. Happy Gut. Everything's good. Once your gut is good, I should do a commercial for that. So what is, um? can you give a timetable, I guess, on a, a solo record? And I guess what's also next for, for Anthrax? Anthrax is writing. That's in a, as Heidi, our publicist, I promised her because she's going to kill me if I talk about it. She goes, don't talk about anthrax writing. I said, look, all I'll say to them, I'll say to people because she wants to have a, a, she wants to get it ready and prepare it and all that stuff. I get it. So we are writing. I could tell you that. Very psyched. Um, there will be a record, hopefully, hopefully with, with this world we live in, Brandon, right now, we don't know about next year, right? We yeah. want a record out next year. We plan to have a record out next year. We plan to tour. We actually have a tour on the books right now for Europe uh, next year, um, the fall of next year, we hope. And we'd like to do, we like to do some more touring before that. But, you know, it's up to um, where we're at with this COVID thing. And hopefully the promoters will make things happen and be confident that things can continue on and, uh, and life can get back to normal that we somewhat normal. You know, that, that's what's going on right now with that. Okay. As far yeah. as solo stuff, I would like to put out some, I, I, I think I have three or four songs recorded Maybe an EP, something like that. It'll if people liked Altitudes and Attitude, uh, from the people I've made hear this, it's, they say it sounds like a continuation of a step up from that, which I love. I love hearing that, so uh, I'm pretty psyched about it. Awesome, I'm psyched about it because it was Thanks, you know, it's because it was a, a departure. Sometimes people in a band they'll do a solo thing, and it kind of sounds like the band that they were in. Yeah, you know, and it was. It was different than Anthrax. It was still rocking, but I think yeah. we discussed that. It was a difference between thrash metal and, and rock and roll and hard rock. There's a, there's a difference. And that's the whole point, you know, and that's the way I write. You can write, I, you, you write different stuff. You just hear it and you know, that's, that's an Anthrax part. That's an Anthrax part. You, you put that to the side and you, you wait to write the Anthrax stuff. The Altitudes and that or Frank Bellow stuff, you'd say, all right, that's more rock and roll, you know, and kind of keep it in, in, that, in that loop. And uh, it, it really works. Um, it really works for me. But the solo stuff, is it just, is it all you or are you having guest people? Um, I play with a session drummer. I play okay. with a session drummer. Um, so pretty much everything, you know, bass, guitar, uh, vocals, just the drums. Um, I, had, I had a session drummer. He's a great cat from the New York City. Awesome. So, um, yeah. And and I'm probably going to record a couple more songs. It's up to Megaforce with uh, the good people at Megaforce Records want to do. Okay. Well, you're super Super busy. I mean, whether it's stuff about anthrax we can't talk about, your your solo stuff, uh, your your book. I mean, helping out with uh with young Brandon and the ladder. I mean, your your yeah, lights. How do you do it? How do you do it, Frank Bello? And and just uh, and, I'm yeah. I'm just a guy. Look, look. All I know is I have a lot of energy. Thank God I have a lot of energy. But I can't. You can't stay still, man. Because this thing, this COVID thing, is nobody's ever seen this before. What I have, look, when I, this first came out, man, I was really bummed. I was going to, like a lot of people, going into depression. Um, I, I just think people should try to stay creative. Everybody out there, even if you don't play an instrument, listen to music, write some stories for yourself, whatever. You read a book, get some ideas, draw. Like my wife, she's an artist and she draws a lot. 
just to get the, the whole hums out. You know what I mean? When you're feeling depressed and stuff. My brother I think, does. That. Yeah. I, I think art is a great way to battle depression and, and just feeling, feeling low. And that really helped me. The book, writing songs, it's important to, to, to keep moving forward, you know? I, I do. Um, while I have, I've said it before, while I have my regular radio job, uh, this podcast, this little Appetite for Distortion podcast helped me through the pandemic, having a little radio station now in my apartment with cats that jump on stuff. So it's awesome. Yeah, whatever works for you. And, Dude, you know, exactly. And think about this, Brandon. And thankfully, look, I'm not the biggest tech tech guy in the world. I'm, you know, there's enough, there's a lot that I don't like about tech, but there's a lot of stuff that's great. Like this right here, you and I are talking, you know, I was able to write a book via internet. That, that's pretty cool. You know, via, via talking to somebody on FaceTime, that's, that's pretty freaking cool. Talking, doing interviews, I don't have to go see Brandon. I don't have to drive to Queens and see Brandon, or we don't have to meet in the city, all that stuff. So that is a great part about what we're doing here, the Zoom things. And um, so, again, I'm able to create here. You're able to create there. I think it's important to everybody to have their space, too. And that's what we've learned, you know. So that, I mean, there's a lot of negativity about COVID, but the one positive is that we got to know our own space. I think that's important, too. And I'm glad that... Um... The silver lining is that come out of something horrible like this is that you get to put your book out and yeah. and, and, and and tell your story and share your brother's story. So he is not. I know you're never going to forget him, but I think it's important to fans uh, and, and the, the legacy stays alive, you know, of your family. And uh, yeah. I, I like that you you said because sometimes you think about an autobiography and like, is that Rockstar really to let that his or her kids read that book and they, they but no, I think it's important. So it's uh, yeah. yeah, it's a great question there, Brandon. Also, because my son is 15. He knows I have the book, and he's very proud of it. I told him a lot of the stories. He knows about his uncle Anthony, you know. But I will let him if he wants to really wants to read it. I'll probably just try to buffer some stuff from him. Uh, but I like him. I like him to read it probably next year or the year after, right now, because I think it's, it's a lot of deep stuff in there. Um, about it, my my brother. To tell you the truth, that I didn't want him to know uh, that side, and you know the the revenge thing and all that. And mm. Although I've talked to him about it, how how bad it was, and how I I saw clearly after that. But I think uh, maybe next year, I'll, you know, I said give it a read now. It's it's time. But uh, he has so much homework now, dude. You, you know, he has so much homework. The last thing he wants to do is read yet another book. He's I think he <laughs> read two books at the same time in school. So you know. It's, it Enough takes with game time. You know, it's all video games now, dude. Yeah, he's like, uh, tell me when the movie comes out, Dad. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's like that. It's like, yeah, when, when is the video coming out? Not, then I'll be good. But uh, that, that's life. That is, uh, Frank. This was this was great. I really appreciate your same your here, time. Brandon. Thank you. And good I hope to, to talk to, dude. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's the New Yorkness. I like. Yeah. You know, right over the bridge. You're right over the bridge. I know that. Uh, yeah, you. You, are you still where do you in New York? I'm not gonna like come over here. I'm in West, I'm, dude. I'm in Westchester. So, and in oh, fact, okay. I'm actually going to the Bronx because I'm gonna film some. I'm gonna film some stuff for my book, uh, from where I grew up, and what okay, it looks cool. like now. So I'm gonna do some uh, some posts from that. But so I'll probably go to the Bronx this this week. I'm mean, actually where I grew up. Um, okay. I'm, uh, whatever days that's not freezing out, I'll try to <laughs> make it one of the days it's not freezing. We'll see. Well, today was like sixty. So uh, today was. Today was Christmas light day. That was a promise. So, <laughs> <laughs> gotta get back to it. I'm, I gotta take down my Hanukkah lights. I think it's, yeah. I, I, just, it's easy I, enough. 
Yeah, I'm still taking down uh, Halloween stuff, dude. Yeah, I, I we uh, say no more. My Halloween stuff is still up as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's part of life. This was great. I hope to see you on the road sooner rather than later, whether it be solo or with Anthrax or on a Same here, Brandon. Thank you. So, this yeah. Great, Thank you, Frank Bello. So, what a nice guy. You know, before we started recording, it's just like we had been friends. He just goes into being conversational. And after I just let him go off Zoom to, to wrap up this episode, I'll be lying. It makes me feel good because he's not the first guest to say this. Say thank you. That was a good interview because it wasn't like an interview. It was just a, a conversation. And, um, you know, sometimes that can get lost in translation where, you know, it's not typical the kind of interview style. And people, if you're not used to my style, you may not get it. But as just shown to me right now, people like Frank Bello and, and guests get it. They, he's done thousands of interviews. It's, I believe I mentioned this before, like with Miles Kennedy. Uh, he didn't say it to me directly, but uh, the dude who patched us through said after Miles got on, off the phone with me, Miles went, that's cool. Yeah, that, that was fun. Because these guys get asked the same questions all the time. And sometimes there are people after salacious, you know, quotes. And honestly, and I'll tell you this, I don't need to. I asked before the interview if Frank was okay with me talking, uh, asking about Dave uh, Delfson. Uh, you know, with with his, uh, you know, his his TMZ kind of scandal kind of situation. And, you know, it's not a, a big deal, but if Frank didn't want to talk about it, I'm like, all right, plenty of other stuff to talk about. But he didn't care. Absolutely. He didn't care. So that's what makes it great. And I think that's what it's going to make the book about uh, with Doug Goldstein. Great. I wish, you know, um, Frank, as he mentioned, he worked with a professional author and Doug. I, I may have mentioned this, forgive me if I have, but he had, I won't mention any names, but an offer from an author to, to work on his book. And with that, I mean, you have a proven entity. Uh, you can get the book done a lot sooner because that's their primary job. Uh, writing this book with Doug Goldstein, while it's a pri priority, you know, I, it doesn't pay the bills for me right now. It's just, that's not my, my main job. So I got to fit it around other stuff. But, but Doug wants to work with me and I, I think because he he knows just like with the interview with, with with frank there's a certain conversational style that i i feel that i'm good at and it will make doug comfortable so i'm i'm excited uh not too much else i think you know i'm in the 100 and almost close to 150 pages with it just to keep you updated uh, i believe doug just told me he wrote his uh the acknowledgments so we're Slowly but surely, it's coming into form. It's just going to take, um, again, I don't think it's going to take years, but we're working on it, absolutely working on it. And a couple other things that we, uh, we are working on or I'm working on, upcoming guests, uh, we got the guys from Lit coming on the podcast. One, I kind of dropped a name, but I don't know if anybody picked up on it. Uh, I mean, it's going to be confirmed for sure next week, but I want to say it's, well, let's say it's confirmed now. I don't know. I don't because things happen and I'm afraid to say it. So let's will it into an existence because it seems like it's happening. Uh, Dave Navarro and Billy Morrison should be coming on together. They have uh, an event going on uh, talking about a lot of what I talk about here, other than guns and roses, but mental health and, and, and struggling and surviving. So um, that should be happening. 
Isn't that amazing? Never thought I would get, you know, Billy Morrison is great, but never thought I would get Dave Navarro. So as this podcast continues, as we continue just to break ground and, and find us awesome new guests, all I can do is just thank you, the AFD show listener for your continued support. However you listen, iHeartRadio or Spreaker or SoundCloud, YouTube. If you go on the YouTube channel, I, I highly recommend that you do that. In addition to, you know, watching interviews like uh, this episode with Frank Bellow, of course, you can just listen to the audio version. But if you want to see Frank and I, you can check it out on YouTube. But what I've been doing at least once a day, so it's updated daily, there's an AFD clips section, a playlist on the YouTube channel. And there's so many amazing highlights that I'm just going back and it's like I'm reliving these interviews. We have over 300 episodes. Well over, you know, every episode has how many highlights? So there's a lot to go to to go through. So I just put up there uh, an interview with uh, Dr. Stephen Thaxton, the official chiropractor of Guns N' Roses during User Illusion. And if you don't know that episode, why would you want to hear this story? Well, he tells a great story about Axel's sister, who is a nurse, uh, trying to find cocaine for medical reasons uh, because they didn't have any anesthetic when somebody was hurt, a security guard. It's a whole thing in Colombia. I've been telling you, it's a great story told by a chiropractor, a Guns N' Roses chiropractor. Uh, we got Rod Jackson up there to highlights. I miss him. I've tried reaching out to Rod in the past year. Um, no, I haven't heard back. I mean, maybe he changed his number. I don't know. But uh, it was an interview that happened in 2019, last time we spoke. And I, I put up a highlight of, of how Slash's snake pit changed his life. So that's up there if you want to relive some highlights of Rod Jackson. There's me interviewing uh, John Densmore talking about Slash. So there's a lot of awesome highlights to go up there in addition to all the full episodes, obviously. And one other thing I will mention, because last episode I, I, I suggested that if you want to continue to support this podcast, in addition to you know listening, subscribing, telling a friend, you can go to redbubble.com uh, and look for Appetite for Distortion. And we have T-shirts up there. The previously mentioned Doug Goldstein has an Appetite for Distortion T-shirt. You may have seen me post a picture of that. And so you can buy that. You can also put the logo on mugs, on, on stickers, on sweatshirts. And the, our, our friend who made the logo, who also did the Izzy Stradlin uh, documentary, DIY documentary uh, called uh, Dustin Bones G from Scotland. He's the one that made the AFD logo and he's making some new t-shirt designs. A couple of them are up there on Redbubble and some, there are some more on the way. He's just a great artist. Uh, but I will mention because one of the cool uh, designs was because I, I got the idea from I see them all over Etsy. And you've seen sh how many people wear like a shirt of somebody's mugshot. That's not a new concept. Nobody owns the mugshot is like public domain. But I, I, I guess uh, I don't know. Someone in the GNO world didn't like me selling it. So decided to. Uh, single it out and, and falsely uh, take it down. But it's not, it's not a battle that's worth it. I mean, look at what we're doing here on the podcast. Uh, there's more important things to stress about, uh, like Frank Bellow and I just talked about. So what I might do, because a lot of people were looking forward to the, the mugshot T-shirt, I might make them on my own, make like a limited supply and, and mail them out, kind of cut out the middleman so nobody could, you know, fuck with it. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for everything. You know, as far as upcoming guests, when they get to air, 
how to get your questions in, uh, updates, t-shirts, uh, designs, logos, all that fun stuff. The conversation continues in between the, the broadcasts. So social media, facebook.com slash the AFD show at the AFD podcast on Twitter. Uh, we're also appetite for distortion on Instagram. If you want to email me and you could send in some questions to Doug Goldstein to put into it for him to answer in the book, we are doing that. Absolutely. There are those of you who submitted questions through the uh, email, the AFD show at gmail.com that I have already transcribed and Doug has already answered and that's going to be included in the book. So some of you are already in the, the first, first draft of Doug Goldstein's book. Isn't that cool? Like you're forever immortalized in this Guns N' Roses autobiography. So get some questions in. We'll see if we can get uh, your name inside the book. All right. So there's a lot to come on the AFD podcast. So when is it to come? When is it coming? Well, in the words of Axel Roth concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it, I don't know, as soon as the word. security, I'm going home.